everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Future of Insurance, Insurance uh, Industry Influencers. I'm thrilled today to have a dear friend for a long time in this industry, Stephen Applebaum, who's the managing partner of Insurance Solutions Group. Stephen, welcome. Thanks, Denise. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I'm looking forward to the discussion today, and thanks for the warm welcome. It's been a while since we've seen each other face-to-face. We have lots of good memories when we were both at uh, various different organizations in the industry, but still a passion for this industry. For sure. And the world's changed 10 times since we first met. Isn't that the truth? So I always like to start off these podcasts, Stephen, with not everybody knows everybody, though, because of your very wide ranging daily newsletter, I think everybody kind of knows you. But just in case, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself and what your current focus is? Gladly. So look, I've worked in various segments of the North American property and casualty insurance ecosystem, as I like to call it for over 40 years, which includes activities in venture capital, some leadership roles with information technology providers. I led an early insurtech startup here in Chicago, and I stood up property and casualty syndicated research practice in Boston, which is now known as Ite Novarica. Today, I serve, as you said, as managing partner for Insurance Solutions Group, and we are a personal consultancy providing strategic and advisory services to a broad range of ecosystem vendors and participants, including early stage and mature companies, as well as institutional investors and investment bankers, providing them with advisory due diligence and deal flow services. Also, you indicated I'm active on social media. I publish a free daily industry newsletter called Connected with my superb co-curator, Alan Demers, who's president of InsureTech Consulting. We've also published many white papers and articles on a broad range of topics across the ecosystem. Lastly, Some of your listeners may know me from my role as chairman and moderator of an annual series of North American insurance conferences, now known as Reuters Events Insurance, formerly known as Insurance Nexus. It's a wide-ranging background, Stephen, and yet one of the areas that you really have a passion about and a deep area of expertise is claims. Claims has always kind of been considered that back office. It's really been having to just do the adjustments and get the payments out, you know, do the assessments, et cetera. But now it's really at the center of the digital customer relationship. It and billing are the two areas that really are probably the most impactful for customers. And they really expect things differently than what they did even five years ago. How and why do you think claims operating model needs to change within the insurance organization to really take advantage and acknowledge that this is really at the center of the digital customer relationship? And what examples do you have that it really indicates really forward thinking by insurers? Thanks. You really set the stage for that 
discussion and it's an important one. Your first few words made me think of, for those old enough to remember, Rodney Dangerfield, whose famous line used to be, I don't get no respect. And <laughs> Isn't that the truth? When I first came into the claims information space like 35 years ago, that's exactly how I felt when I started speaking with and working with people across the industry. But that has completely changed now. So let's go back and sort of cover the between then and now. So 35 years ago, claims was basically considered by carriers a necessary evil, in spite of the fact that it consumed almost 80% of all premium income, which I never fully understood. It was paper-based, it was labor-intense, and it was complex. It was constantly underrepresented in the IT budget, and policyholder claim satisfaction got you know, honestly, little more than lip service. Things changed. And once consumers began experiencing and adopting new technologies like email, laptops, later smartphones, social media, and later again, services like Amazon, the bar on what constituted excellent service was permanently raised. And that was applied to all business to consumer interactions not the least of which was insurance claims. So let's fast forward to today. Claim satisfaction has become fiercely a mission-critical metric driven by heightened competitive market conditions and the need for insurers to reduce costs further while, this is like a tightrope act, while also shrinking cycle time, which is also known in the industry as doing more with less. You asked about examples. There, there really are several forward-thinking claim solutions, some of which are already seeing high adoption rates, others still emerging. But I can list a few and, and explain them and talk about them. So let's start with claim self-service for auto and property claims, which is the process that you're all familiar with that features a digital image being captured and shared you know, by a policyholder on their smartphone. And that is shortening claim cycle times down to days instead of weeks. So dramatic impact there. Another example, AI-enabled computer vision solutions that can estimate damage and repair costs and are being used to further shorten cycle times, reduce costs, segment claims, and streamline workflow and communications between insurers and their automotive and property repair service partners. Third example, digital claim payments which are going now to service providers as well as policyholders and claimant bank accounts or digital wallets and are replacing antiquated, much slower, much more expensive mailing of paper checks. Although I must say the paper check phenomenon continues to represent the majority of transactions, but that's changing really quickly now. At a higher level and probably of you know even greater potential impact, the entire digitization of the end-to-end -end claims process and the convergence of ecosystem product and service providers onto popular platforms, including, as a good example, Majesco's vendor partner platform, is bringing the industry ever closer to straight-through claims processing, which will really further compress costs and cycle time and deliver you know, a customer experience in line with today's expectations. So there's some examples for you. And I think that whole digitalization of claims and how that model and the process is changing 
data and analytics are really playing an increasingly important role in claims with these advanced AI machine learning models, both in assessing the claim and processing the claim, but also to identify fraud and also to create a different kind of experiences. And now we got chat GPT with uh, capabilities built around natural language processing. Talk about where we have been and where you see the industry going in this area. It's an area that we're spending some time on now that we have Majesco GPT, and we've got that embedded into our core, and we'll be expanding on that with now what we're calling Intelligent Core. It's scary to think about the fact that as recently as maybe last fall, chat GPT or generative AI was almost virtually unheard of, except among scientists. And now today, every one of us in the industry is trying to run as fast as we can to catch up and learn what it is, how it works, what its potential is. So this is really rapidly emerging. But I think we're in the early innings of leveraging data and analytics and claims, even though there's already been a lot of work done, and that the tangible benefits already being demonstrated, which will provide encouragement to go further. So a great example of early wins using data and analytics and claims are the many various claims fraud solutions that have come to market over like the past decade, leveraging internal as well as third-party data and AI, AI-powered analytics to flag potentially fraudulent claims and equally important, allowing the much larger number of valid claims to accelerate through the approval and payment process. I recently had a discussion with someone at Zurich and they're experimenting with ChatGPT to discover how this new AI program software can help with tasks such as modeling, claims, and data mining. And large language models such as GPT could help insurance companies improve their claims management process by automating repetitive non-core tasks reducing manual errors, and providing valuable insights for better decision-making. We should consider it a tool to improve efficiency, reduce errors, and lessen claims processing time. And I think finally, what I would say on data and analytics is that AI and ML, machine learning models, and now chat GPT capabilities, along with natural language processing, will usher in true business transformation. The drive to enable a claims handler to support multiple lines of business is becoming more and more real. There was a day when claims handlers were dedicated to single lines of business. And now with automation and tools like AI and chat GPT, we can make the claims process much more customer centric and efficient. So I hope that answers your question. I think another area of complication into all of this is really the growing and multi-layered types of risks that are driving some of the higher loss ratios and challenging profitability for insurers and also challenging the customer experience. You think about um, climate change. Last year alone, having $18 billion cat events just in the U.S. alone, the impact of that and the impact of even some of the, the technology that's built into our vehicles now is driving another whole layer of risk. So there's this, what I call an increasing focus on risk resilience. And it's really understanding the risk and then minimizing or preventing it. And it's an exciting area that I think is just emerging, but has huge potential to help drive better profitability, lower loss ratios, but more importantly, really completely transforming that customer experience and what insurance is all about. Talk about your views on that and what you're seeing as examples of moving into that direction, Stephen. You know, transformation has been an abused and over overused word 
in our industry of, of recent times. But I, I think in this case, it's actually warranted and deserved. And I love your expression of risk resilience. And I think this is probably the most exciting shift that I've seen in all my years in the industry. And that is watching the industry begin to move from a repair and replace to a predict and prevent mindset. You start to think about the implications of that shift on customer experience, personal safety, profitability. It's transformative. So tomorrow's product, I believe, will be much more like protection and much less like insurance. Got some early examples of this shift, which include things like extreme weather text warnings going out to policyholders 24 hours or 48 hours ahead of an extreme weather event who have insured assets in the path of a threat. Also, think about this. Insurers are offering property insurance policyholders new programs that include IoT or Internet of Things sensors and devices that are installed in homes to detect and warn of threats from things like water leaks to frozen pipes to home security. And here in a sort of practical example of this emerging shift, we have State Farm recently making a $1.2 billion investment and a partnership with ADT, which launches State Farm into a brand new category, allowing the company to reimagine the home ownership experience and innovate in new ways to apply smart home technology to home insurance. Consider this, customer benefits include lower costs, reduced claims, and smart home security devices that help to proactively mitigate loss caused by water, fire, or intrusion. It's a classic win-win for all parties. Another topic that I know is you have a lot of passion about and you're involved in is, is around IoT, talking about how that's really going to change claims and the customer experience from putting those devices on your water heater, which tends to be one of the, the most costly claims and damage. Uh, so when that water heater goes and kind of destroys everything to the IoT devices and homes to kind of monitor safety and potential crime, et cetera, to the IoT devices in the vehicles. It really has the potential to change the experience, to change what it is that we're buying from insurance companies. More than just the risk product, we're buying value-added service, have new capabilities and a different kind of experience. Talk about some of the exciting things you're seeing and what you're hoping to see uh, coming forward. Sure. So IoT, I don't think you can overstate the significance and impact of IoT. I think it will be as impactful on PNC insurance as the internet was in its earliest days. And by oh, that, interesting. I, yeah, I really do. It's, it's an enabler with power that we had just only begun to imagine. So look, from a personal point of view, I've got a Fitbit or a, sorry, a wearable watch on my wrist connected to my life insurance company that monitors my health, my heart rate, gives me advice and gives me a discount on my insurance. That is just a tiny sliver of an example uh, from a personal basis. But when you consider that the IoT encompasses everything from sensors in smartphones, cars, wearables, homes, factories, you really begin to see how relevant these devices are to claims of any kind from personal and commercial auto and property, all the way to workers' compensation, health, life, and accident. So it covers all the bases. Now, overlay on that, the rapidly approaching 5G communications network, the next generation of mobile internet connectivity. This rollout will usher in an era of hyper-connectivity like no other. The 4G network catalyzed the digital evolution of 
the modern world nearly 10 years ago, giving rise to the Internet of Things, like linking people, machines, and devices to a collective digital consciousness. Compared to the current 4G, now listen to this, 5G promises far greater bandwidth and capacity and requires less power to transmit a massive volume of data. At its peak download speed, 5G could be 1,000 times faster than 4G at 100 gigabytes per second. Beyond providing a faster and more reliable data transmission for the end user, 5G represents a revolution and an evolution in our progress towards a smarter and more connected world. Another example, we already have examples of parametric insurance claims, which are automatic initiating claims and making instant digital claims payments based on defined events as detected using IoT and big data sensors. Some of them are based on weather, climate, and other event triggers, including earthquakes and even flight delays. And Denise, I don't know if you're signed up for any of these programs, but flight delay seems to be a really popular application of parametric insurance. I don't know if you know anybody who had, has that product, but it works like a charm. Yeah, it does. I've had and, it. And flight delays are just keep on increasing. So, you know, it's not going anywhere but up. And then maybe lastly, on, on this point, I would say claims are typically aggravating or even sometimes traumatic for policyholders. And so the faster and more easily they get resolved, it is absolutely certain to improve customer experience and in turn, retention and loyalty. So it's another win-win. That is really interesting and exciting. I know I was a judge on Innovation Award that was kind of a global perspective and using the IoT uh, within a home, you know, to help kind of monitor the home and do the things that you would think from a property insurance perspective, but they expanded it to use the IoT devices to help elderly people stay in their homes. They could give them alerts to take their medicine that a doctor's appointment was coming up. They could monitor if they fell, those types of things. And I think the we're only, to your point earlier, we're only at the very beginning of what the possibilities could be to really kind of help keep people safer, to keep property safer and to avoid those claims, but really to add value into people's lives. It's just, it's, it's so exciting, isn't it, Stephen? It is. You know, I, I, sometimes I get accused of being too passionate for a guy my age who's been around so long, but I do get excited still about it. And as you were mentioning the application of elderly folks in, in their own homes, it, re it just makes me think of how this is like a total update of I've fallen and I can't get up, if you remember yeah. that, you know, but I'll look how technology has changed, you know, that model. One of the things that you and I talked about when we were talking about doing this podcast is that, gosh, Stephen, you know, 10, 15 years ago, everybody was going through a claims transformation and modernization project, putting in an enterprise claim solution and doing the big projects. But all of these were on premise. They were highly customized because we thought that our processes were what really defined us in the marketplace and were unique about us. When quite frankly, a lot of the processes are the same. What's really unique is about the experience, you know, whether or not you can get that assessed in, and the payment out really quickly to keep that loyalty and trust. So we're now kind of seeing a new era of claims replacement happening where people are moving to the cloud. They have other partners that they're integrating with through APIs to be able to kind of create those really fantastic experiences or to deal with some of the technologies like IoT uh, to be able to leverage those. What are you seeing as the priorities and focus in this next, I call it 2.0 wave of claims transformation and what's going to be different this time around? I love these questions. 
I think that the success of modern cloud-based core system platforms and ecosystems is a direct reflection of the changing approach that carriers are taking claims to claims transformation initiatives. And I can expand on that, but I think that's the clue that tells us how people are thinking and what direction we're moving in. Most of the modern core system platform providers have now developed marketplaces, as you have with Majesco Eco Exchange, which enable carriers easy and inexpensive access to hundreds, literally hundreds of best in class claim service providers without undertaking any time-consuming or labor-intense one-to-one integrations. So I think that's sort of obvious benefit number one and the speed at which the ecosystem is linking up onto these platforms, some of them on uniquely on one platform, some of them participating across multiple platforms is a reflection of that thinking. Another point here, you talked about the painful period during which core systems were being replaced, but on-premise. When I look back at it, it reminds me of having all your teeth extracted at once at the dentist and then having implants put in the same day. But I think that what I was trying to go to here was that InsureTechs, the, the new age of, of purely digital, full-stack, vertical insurance operations, have a really tremendous advantage that may, some people may not think about in these terms, but an advantage over legacy carriers who were literally stuck with hundreds of millions of dollars investments in hardware and software. And so the emergence of insurtechs, which of course promised to disrupt the traditional legacy carriers, put a real spotlight on the advantages that these greenfield carriers had, including their ability to prioritize digital processes, digitization of claims, and made them significantly faster, cheaper, and easier to deploy on platforms. But what I'm really trying to get across here is they were like a sentinel for the legacy carriers to say, okay, now I'm beginning to understand not only the threat that these people could present in the future, but the opportunity I have to move to the cloud. And then looking back at you know a decade ago where we were, carriers were less open to technology partnerships and claims. Today, it's basically recognized that partnerships are table stakes. They're mission critical and they're mandatory to accelerate transformation and remain competitive. That's another major shift over the past decade. And then finally, I'd say carriers' perception of which functions are actually core competencies is a much shorter list than it used to be. I remember in the earliest days of working with an information provider when we would go in to sell some of our claims solution products and carriers would basically say no no what would you know about that we do that better than anybody you know we don't that's a core competency and if i look at that area now much of that has already been outsourced to best-in-class third-party providers it's not a core competency and they know it so you know the not invented here syndrome is really history and thank goodness for that i'm sure you've experienced that one in your career as well yeah, I think the you know, what we kind of talk about it as if you're going to be buying kind of core software here, you want to leverage as much as you can out of the box because you kind of gain kind of what's a best practice with a, a base foundation uh, going forward. And you really want to minimize that customization because 
it doesn't allow you to keep upgrades coming really rapidly. And with the pace of change of technology and the pace of change of different types of products in the market, we got to keep that pace of upgrading going on. You can't wait two or three years to upgrade. You're going to be upgrading probably uh, twice a year, you know, depending on how often you're getting it. Otherwise you're, you're falling behind from what customers expect. Absolutely. Think about your smartphone. It now upgrades itself and doesn't even tell you about it. It does it overnight while you're not using it. I think I'm on version 16.5 point something, which means that's how many times that software has updated itself and I haven't had to do a thing about it. And that's really how we have to think about it to be able to have that foundation, but also to adapt and shift and, and quickly change as the market changes because boy, it's not slowing down at all at these days. It does sometimes make me a little dizzy, I must admit. The speed yep. is absolutely accelerating. The pace of change is just accelerating. So the way I like to kind of wrap up my podcast, Stephen, is to have you pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance and then describe why that would be. And not to put any pressure on you, I tell everybody this, but we've only had three or four duplications out of all the podcasts we've done. And so it gives a really rich perspective, you know, if we do a word cloud of really what that future of insurance means from a lot of different dimensions and a lot of different perspectives. So what, what what's your word or phrase and why? I'll give you my word and I hope it hasn't been used before because I hate repeating other people's thought leadership, but my word is unrecognizable. And I- Oh, good one. Oh, good. <laughs> so I truly, absolutely, honestly believe that it, in a short period, maybe 10, maybe 12 years, what the product that will be coming out of insurance companies will not look anything like the product that comes out today. The service levels will be mightily improved. If they're not Amazon-like in quality, they'll be getting closer. The business models will be different. The partnerships will look different. There'll be very little recognizable. I honestly mean that. And I think there's enough in the tea leaves today to show us that that's where we're headed. I love that because nobody's used that one. But number two, it is, it's very, very true. I don't think we will recognize in five, especially 10 years, what this industry looks like. It's exciting. Yeah, I want to stay on the train as long as I can. You and me both, Stephen, you and me both. <laughs> okay, good. I'm with well, you. Thanks so much for all that you do in the industry, Stephen. Thanks for doing the podcast with us today and giving your insights and Looking forward to the continued collaboration work that we're all doing to kind of drive the industry towards that future. So thanks again, Stephen. Thanks. And hats off to you guys for the podcast series. It's terrific. I recommend it highly, not just because I'm on it. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. We appreciate that. <laughs> okay. You all have a good day, everybody. You Take too. Take care. See you soon somewhere. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.